Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast, where we strive to bring you useful and timely information to inspire and encourage you on your journey with histiocytosis. This is episode 007, Why Raising Awareness is Critical and the Impact It Can Have. Welcome to this edition of the podcast. I'm excited to bring you this episode where I engage in an exciting panel discussion with four very special guests as we talk about the significance and importance of raising awareness for histio and how you can get involved and let your voice be heard. During this conversation, we dive into a lot of really great topics related to raising awareness, how you can get involved, and why your personal story is the most powerful awareness tool you have. So let's get started. Hello, and a very special welcome to our Histio community and listeners. I know I say this every time, but today we have a very special episode that I'm excited to dive into with all of you. As you may or may not know, many years ago, September was established as Histiocytosis Awareness Month here in the U.S. and adopted by many other countries as well. Now, over the years, the association and our amazing community have engaged in many, many awareness-raising activities. Now, since at the time of this recording, September is just a, a few days away, we wanted to bring on a panel of guests to talk about the importance of raising awareness, not only during Awareness Month, but also all year long, why that's even necessary and what you can do to get involved. But we, before we dive into all of that, we need to introduce our four special guests. So first, we have Deanna Fournier, who has been and will continue to be a frequent guest on the podcast. She's the executive director of the Histiocytosis Association and also someone who battled LCH as a child. So Deanna, welcome. Thank you, Kathy. It's awesome to be here. Next, we have Claudio Di Girolamo. Uh, he is the president of the Histiocytosis Association of Canada and also a parent of a daughter who battled HLH. So, Claudio, thank you so much for being here. Your neighbors from the north, we thank you for, for including us in your program. And then we have Kathy Brewer, president of the ECD Global Alliance, who sadly lost her husband to this disease in 2007. We are so happy you're here, Kathy. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. I appreciate the invitation. And last but certainly not least, we have Dr. Gaurav Goyal, who is a hematologist and oncologist who treats histiocytosis and also an assistant professor at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Dr. Goyal, welcome to you. Thank you for having me. Um, look forward to the talk. Great. Well, th again, thank you so much to all of you for being here. I'm looking forward to this being a very dynamic and impactful conversation. So I wanted to kind of start out with a few statistics that I pulled from the National Organization for Rare, Di Rare Disorders, or NORD. According to their website, a rare disease is defined as any disease, disorder, illness, or condition affecting fewer than 200,000 people in the U.S., I've done the math, and just to give a little perspective on that number, 200,000 equates to just 0.0612% of the population. So that is pretty rare. Now, a couple of other interesting statistics that I found is that there are approximately 7,000 known rare diseases, more than 90% of which are without an FDA-approved treatment. Additionally, it's estimated that 25 to 30 million Americans, almost one in 10, have some sort of a rare disease. So these are some pretty interesting and staggering statistics. 
So I want to start off with the most obvious question, um, in particular to Deanna, Claudia, and Kathy. Um, all three of you have been personally affected by histiocytosis in some way. So to you, why do you consider it important to raise awareness about rare diseases and histiocytosis in particular? So well, I'll start the conversation by uh, thanking the team uh, at large for the work they've done. Uh, as a parent with a, an adult child that went through histiocytosis, uh, HLH secondary to be specific, uh, it, was, it was daunting Number one, to understand what this disease was. Number two, it was shocking to understand the, the level of mortality with this disease um, and how quickly it progresses through a person. But what I was really uh, focused on was understanding what I could do to educate myself on how to take my daughter through this journey. And surprisingly, or not surprisingly, now as I look back on it, there was no information. And in Canada, it was very limited. Very few doctors uh, practiced or stood up to the practice of HLH or histio diseases. Um, I turned to the HA and found some comfort in the HA's ability to advocate for the patients, provide information. So I turned to the HA for that information. And since then, I've taken a strong approach here locally in Canada to have that same messaging brought forward. So from my perspective, um, with the ECD community, I lost my husband, as you said, Kathy, in 2007. And we had taken him to three different medical um, teaching institutions in the United States. And his diagnosis eluded all the specialists. So it was only um, after he passed away, an autopsy was done and ECD was identified as the root cause of all his medical problems. So for me, it is incredibly um, close to my heart to help educate medical professionals because you cannot, you cannot expect a doctor to diagnose something that they have never heard of. And it's very close and personal to me. No one should have to ever suffer as my husband did. I just want to thank both Kathy and Claudio for sharing your personal um, you know, story and your connection with histiocytosis. I think it's really powerful to hear how it impacts each of us and why the knowledge that we can spread is so important. And I've noticed throughout my life, I was diagnosed with LCH in the early 90s. And at that time, the only real information that we had about histiocytosis was through a connection with the association and really using that connection to find doctors who could inform the local treating facility that I was at what type of protocol would be most effective. Um, up until that point, they had a variety of different things they wanted to do. We were lucky to receive a diagnosis, which shows how much we did at least know at that point. But and then moving forward, going to doctors throughout the years and then no one really knowing what that was. And I've seen the leaps and bounds that we have taken in the medical community to the point where we now have hundreds of doctors that are um, able to be have referrals of patients sent to them. So that type of awareness is really powerful. And being able to share our stories, I think, really makes a difference because we can see the difference that we make. So one question I had just kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit as I was preparing for this with so many rare diseases and so many people raising awareness about all of these different things, 
is it worth it to try and raise awareness around a single rare disease? Is is the space too saturated? What what can we gain from, from doing this work? So from my perspective, um, I think it's critically important to raise awareness and to raise awareness of individual diseases. Um, One of the things that happened to me is after my husband passed away, I made it a personal um, decision to contact every physician that he saw or looked at one of his biopsies or uh, fans. And I sent them a personal note thanking them for their help and explaining to them that my husband had Erdheim-Chester disease. And about a year later, I got a call from a pathologist who said, I've had your letter on my desk for a year, and I want to thank you because you made me aware of this disease. I diagnosed my first Erdheim-Chester disease patient today. And, you know, that patient then had the benefit of getting a treatment. So it's just an example of a real life example of how one person can contact another single person and make a real difference in the life of someone. So it is critically important to raise awareness of each of these rare diseases. You don't know how it will end up or help someone in the future. So springboarding off of what you just said, Kathy, um, obviously your personal mission in life has become to, to notify and to raise awareness among the medical community. So Let's um, let's go to Dr. Goyle right now and find out why that's important and um, what what is the best way for patients and families to be able to raise awareness among the, the physicians. Yeah, um, I I want to thank Kathy, Diana, and Claudio for sharing their uh, stories. Um, you know, these are very powerful, and it reflects um, you know the passion that you have for the work you do. It reflects. Um, that you have personal um, challenges and suffering associated with with the disease, and I'm fortunate to be involved with the with the organizations. Um, you know, uh, echoing what um, Kathy was saying earlier, um, you know, the patients with rare diseases, I I I see them as a particularly vulnerable group of population. Um, you know, they, for example, in histiocytosis, um, they end up going from doctor to doctor. Um, they see multiple specialists, and it's not as straightforward as um, some other cancers, as I see in the clinic, where you just do a biopsy, look at it in the microscope, and you're done. Uh, a lot of times, it is not that straightforward, and it delays the diagnosis by uh, years to decades a lot of times. Um, there are no FDA-approved treatments or any approved treatments for over 90% um, of uh, rare diseases, which which makes it very difficult. And then, you know, there is this physical distress. And on top of that, the psychological distress that the patients and families struggle with because of that. And I have, um, I have uh, seen that um, in, in my clinic uh, regularly. So I think the best way to, re- to, to actually improve the care is first by recognizing that, hey, these diseases exist. And, you know, these are the things you got to look for, especially for the ones like, you know, ECD, HLH, um, and some of the challenging cases of LCH and Rosa Dorfman disease. Um, you know, you, you, if you are not diagnosing, uh, that's the first half of the, uh, uh, of the challenge there. And then comes the treatments, which there are not many approved right now. 
Um, so, you know, and I also want to get to the point of, you know, when you said that there are 7,000 rare diseases, why should one care about one? Um, you know, rare diseases are rare um, as one disease, but if you collect them together, like your statistics show, they're not so rare. So there was a there was a nice article two years ago um, that that looked at all the cancers reported to the NCI uh, uh, registries, and 25% of all cancers are actually rare cancers. So it's not that rare. One in four cancer patients are struggling with a cancer with or with a rare type of cancer. Um, so even if a disease is rare, it should not be discounted because that. You know, ultimately, as healthcare providers, clinicians, our goal is to provide good care for the patients. So we can't say that 75% of the patients deserve more attention than the rest of the 25%. So in my clinic, you know, I diagnose, I, I, I due to my interest in rare diseases, you know, specifically histiocytosis, you know, which I manage myself. But sometimes when I'm on the hospital service, I catch other rare diseases that may not be related to my specialty. And I'm able to, by just by that awareness, I may not be able to treat them. I'd be able to provide the right resources to them, guide them to the right organizations, tell them, uh, you know, what to do. And, you know, these diseases can mimic many other diseases. Um, so, so it's very, very critical to know the, the, the signs and symptoms. And, you know, for example, HLH, um, you know, now I'm seeing more and more recognition in adults. In pediatric literature, there's a lot more recognition, I would say. And but you know, a lot of times these were discounted as oh, the patient has an infection, or the patient is just sick in general from an autoimmune condition, and a delayed diagnosis that can lead to mortality. So it is very important. And I think your uh, second point was uh, was it about how the patients would. Um, would want to get involved um, uh, with with raising awareness. Um, you know, there are, I think, uh, you know, the rest of the guests on the podcast can speak more to it. But I think, you know, getting involved with the organizations is probably the first uh, big step because, you know, as you have heard their powerful stories, they they have a lot of uh, resources at disposal and actually they, they want uh, to hear from patients. And, you know, knowing the organization and the disease, and also getting involved with local uh, events, national events um, as they occur, educational awareness events happen throughout the year. Um, and the other powerful tool is social media. Um, I've seen multiple social media posts uh, by patients and some of the patients have actually launched uh, disease support groups on social media um, where the patients actually can find, um, you know, a lot of uh, important information. Now, I have had patients who have found um, my clinic, for example, through contact with social media with another patient. So things like that, or just, you know, just reviewing the posts, you can see what their real struggles are versus what we see them in the clinic. Uh, so so I, think, I think those are some of the tools, but uh, I will let the other experts here talk about uh, other ways to raise awareness. So if I could just if I could just add to that, Dr. Goyle, I, I, I think it's very important to understand how isolation of these diseases and the um, the rarity of them, true to the nature of what these diseases are, um, provides uh, ultimately um, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, um, both from a physician perspective as they're communicating to the patients themselves. In our particular case, 
after three days in, in ICU, the doctor came to us and said, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is we know what it is. The bad news is we know what it is. And um, they offered a number of various uh, uh, possible diseases. And from that, they were able to hone in on HLH secondary. But the fact that the doctor knew enough about the symptoms and what the prevailing trends of those symptoms are allowed for him to make a diagnosis, which started a care plan. Um, that ultimately saved her life. But I think as you look at rare diseases, because a lot of them are interconnected, you talked about the, the, the rareness of cancers. In the end, it's a cancer. As we look at the rare diseases and we start to pull them together, you may not understand what essentially is that disease, but it'll lead you down a path, as you said, with one of your patients to look for something different. And I think that's the awareness from a clinical side that we as an association need to enforce. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll build on that um, slightly just by saying that I think the curiosity mindset is the most important part. I've had the um, opportunity to speak to several physicians who, who described their curiosity led to the awareness of using the emergency room medical records to actually identify in the system what some of the signs and symptoms are of histiocytic disorders and then create an algorithm to suggest that if, if more than a certain number are present, we test for and insert histiocytic disorder. And they've been, they were over testing, but they're also diagnosing and it's been um, able to save a handful of lives over the past nine months that they've been putting this in place. And it was that curiosity mindset that allowed them to say, you know, we may not always be able to notice everything in a vacuum, but if we can have something back us up and we're looking for these things and we're, we're just trying to pay attention, you can create this uh, sort of systemic change that impacts all rare disease. And I think that's really powerful. What I'm, what I'm kind of seeing here as I'm listening to all of you is that we're really um, painting this beautiful picture of how we're all working together. We're all working to help each other. And um, like Dr. Goyle said, his knowledge of other things, even though it might not be his specialty, has helped him to be able to put someone on the right path to diagnosis and treatment. So it's just um, a really beautiful picture to me about how we can all work together to help each other. No matter how rare the disease is, we might be able to help in one way or another. And that all starts with raising awareness among the physicians and among our friends and family and, and people all over the world. So I, I, I love that. I love that about this conversation. So I'm just, I'm just wondering, um, we've seen in the past that um, histiocytosis has been uh, primarily a, a pediatric disease, but we also know that it can happen in adults as well. Do any of you think that there's any difference in the importance or in the, the process of raising awareness about a childhood disease versus an adult disease? I know, Kathy, you could probably speak to this as well as I can, but what I will say based on our experience is finding a specialist in, in Canada that focuses on adult histio uh, diseases is, is, is very, very difficult. Uh, there, there are a lot of doctors. Uh, Dr. James Whitlock out of Sick Kids is um, one of the primary providers of this care in, in Canada, one of the leading authorities on it. Um, but it's a pediatric-based system, and unfortunately, in Canada, that limit is capped at 18 years old. So, 
my daughter was 24, 23, I'm sorry, 23 at the time and uh, couldn't find care. Um, so it became very difficult. So there is, there is a, a discrepancy in Canada, I think, on that. But uh, the good news is, is that more and more doctors are starting to see that and participating more in adult uh, care for histio patients. I think because um, histio is so rare in the adult population, it makes it more difficult for adults to get diagnosed. So it, it becomes very critical that we raise awareness among the adult um, doctors and so that those adult patients can get diagnosed. And also as we see the children um, surviving and moving into adulthood, just as Claudio says, we need to be able to transition those, uh, those patients from a pediatric center into an adult center. So it becomes very, very important that the doctors work together. In the ECD world, we have found that some of the um, findings that have been made in the adult world have transferred over into the pediatric world. And so it, it, to point to what you're talking about, Kathy, it's so important for the community to work together. And by working together, it helps everyone. Yeah, I um, I would add to that, uh, that, you know, even in the U.S., I would say most of the literature when, you know, I was reading about histiocytosis was derived from pediatrics. Uh, most of the uh, studies are from were at least from pediatric literature. If you if you go ten years back or so, a lot of new data have come in and uh, come out in adults in the last decade or so, but still remains a huge area of unmet need uh, because it's for example in LCH it is rarer in adults um, than in children. Um, so so you know the, the recognition of the disease is is important in adults. The other thing that I would echo is collaboration is very important. Um, you know, I at UAB, we have a children's uh, hospital as well with a very large oncologic service. And I collaborate with them uh, occasionally on pediatric cases. So I think it's a two-way street. Um, I, I do think there are a lot of overlaps. And, one, you know, the pediatric group could benefit from adults, for example, in ECD, like Kathy mentioned, that we are learning from adults. But similarly, for LCH, a lot of the things that we learned from children can be translated to adults, uh, or at least young adults. So um, I would say that um, the collaboration is key. And, you know, the uh, awareness is needed in both, uh, but definitely adults is lagging behind. And if I could comment on um, a, a slightly different side of it, I think from what my experience engaging with, with patients and parents um, is that adults seem less likely to advocate for themselves when they're not feeling well. I think I can relate to this. I get very busy and, and you know, you, you feel like maybe I have a head cold, but then it persists and it persists and I'll go to the doctor when, if, it, if it's still here next week. And uh, when a child is sick, their, their, their immune system is so new that that's a, it's alarming. And so I think the parents step in and try to understand what's going on. Um, so I've just noticed a difference there. I feel adults are maybe less likely to notice the severity of what's happening. Um, they're less likely to, to immediately assume that it's something like a rare disease. And so they might have something on their skin and go to a dermatologist 
list and, you know, not really investigated, hoping it'll go away, take home a medication, try it, and then get, get absorbed in their day to day. And so I would just also say that sharing stories of, of your experience, I think helps others recognize like, oh goodness, that could be what I have. And I think that's the power of that as well. And also I think the medical community can, can learn from that too. So um, I think that's also a difference that you see in the adult patient community versus uh, the pediatric community. And I think that's where awareness can, and then collaboration between the medical community and patients and parents can really create that change because we're all able to just be more well-versed in what that could potentially be. And then it goes back to just investigating and trying to figure that out. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll learn about what these separate organizations are doing for Histiocytosis Awareness Month and how you can access all the resources you need to get involved as well. We'll be right back. The 23rd Annual Play for a Cure is taking place in Simi Valley, California, September 10th to the 12th. Donations can be made at histio.org slash playforacure. From August 28th through September 25th, Histio Warrior Taryn will be playing in a softball tournament, raising funds and awareness for the Histiocytosis Association. Visit our Facebook or Instagram to learn more about how you can watch her play. Good luck, Taryn. Welcome back to part two of our panel discussion, where we continue the conversation about the power of your personal story and offer some advice on how you can get involved. We'll also talk about what the various organizations are doing for Histiocytosis Awareness Month coming up in September. And to build on that, Deanna, you know, in the ECD world, we hear so many patients who, like you say, have kind of let things go for a long time because they're busy. Um, but then when they do go see their physicians, things are kind of pushed off to the side as a part of aging. So, um, you know, bone pain is, oh, you just worked out too hard or whatever. And so it's only by raising awareness that we give the patient the power to say, no, I think this is something different. And that courage to stand up and advocate for yourself is so important. Because unless you do that, the physicians don't know to take a look further. And by hearing other people's stories, as you say, that gives them the courage to do just that, to stand up and say what they're facing and get their physician's attention. You know, this it's very important what you just mentioned. Um, you know, I often work with trainees, um, you know, they're the next generation of doctors, you know, uh, who are going to be seeing these patients, um, you know, uh, residents and fellows. And I often tell them to, to be aware that, you know, the patients know the most. And if they are telling you a new symptom and you know you have a diagnosis in mind, I would not just 
just snub off or rub off that symptom basically to not to not you know discount that symptom or something that they mentioned uh, to take their symptoms very seriously and to always you know be open to thinking again or rethinking uh, you can have more than one diagnosis and you may be on the entirely uh, wrong path when you are you have this this bias toward a diagnosis when you get a referral and i've often had a diagnosis of you know one type of cancer first as a referral and then turned out to be something else um so you know be, just because of taking detailed history and things like that can can get you more information and not just in histiocytosis that applies to a lot of other conditions so what i'd love to do is kind of go around the panel here and get your opinion on the um the best piece of advice you have for someone who wants to raise awareness about about histiocytosis. Kathy, let's start with you. So my advice is for people to know that they honestly can make a difference. And the way to start is like Spin said here, get involved with others who are trying to do likewise. Share your story. Sometimes that requires courage. I know it does for me, but it's it's very important. And then use the materials that are available on all the websites, on the HA website, the HA Canada and the ECD Global Alliance websites. Those are powerful tools that are available at your fingertips. But it just starts by having the courage to get involved and sharing your story, I believe. Thanks for that, Kathleen. I, I, I would just add to that. There's, there's an opportunity for each of us to to advocate on a given platform with our ability to to reach even our small group of individuals that we associate associate with, so namely our personal network. But outside of that, I think it's important for us to take take our beliefs, our experiences with diseases and with the pursuit of evangelizing this disease to others out there. Um, Every single voice adds to it. I found solace in one individual uh, from Brazil um, who published an article um, in 2016. My daughter went through a disease in 2018, and the article provided a tremendous amount of relief, um, comfort going through that. And it was that posting of that article that provided us with that comfort. And I think our ability to advocate for the patients and give them that thread of comfort uh, during these times is, uh, is paramount. And I will just add that um, I think to what both of you said, sharing of stories and getting getting involved in any way that feels comfortable to you makes a big difference. And I've seen tremendous amount of impact made even locally. There are individuals who decide they want to visit, um, you know, visit each of our websites and you can download brochures and take information with you to your local hospitals, to your local pediatricians, to your local clinics. And even just within a 15-mile radius, you can save lives that way and create awareness and build education. And I think there are opportunities within each of the organizations to um, you know, get involved in a way that feels good for you. I know we all try to advocate on various levels when and how we can. We, we enjoy learning from the experiences of each one of you and hearing the challenges that you face because that then equips us to figure out how we can create change and the things that we should maybe prioritize to 
um, build more awareness or create more educational opportunities or, you know, just ways that we can take action. So even if you feel you're not quite ready to get, get active yourself by reaching out and talking to us, we can help be that extension for you. And then at some point, something might feel right and you might get involved. Um, so I would just encourage you to keep thinking about the influence you can have. And, and I know personally, I've struggled with wanting to share my story at times and it's that opportunity to connect with each other. I think that's so powerful. And so just remember the power of your journey and how even that, just sharing that can impact the lives of others. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that has been said. And, um, you know, I think um, knowing the organizations is probably um, the number one thing. There is an organization, if you have a rare disease, if there is not, please try to look for creating one. Um, the... Um, you know, during the pandemic, I have uh, realized that I think social media, I'll go back to the same thing, you know, as much as, uh, you know, some people may dislike um, social media, you know, uh, information. I think it's a very powerful tool if used correctly. Uh, patients can share their stories and, you know, that would be a good place to start. It's not easy, uh, but it can be very powerful and provide um, you know, uh, encouragement to others to come forward as well and to, to recognize that their illness might be that particular disease. Um, the other thing is, you know, um, you know, I collaborate with a lot of um, local sort of clinicians that refer these patients to me. Often um, these patients go back to their clinicians and educate them. They can also encourage the clinicians to to attend uh, lectures now via Zoom, which is very easy now, uh, or, or any online platform, um, you know, education about these diseases that can be very powerful. And, you know, the, the other thing that may be down the road, if someone is really passionate about uh, spreading awareness is and can dedicate time is to think about sort of leading a particular disease you know, sort of becoming um, the, the person who, who who takes the helm of, you know, educating everyone, you know, like, um, like uh, Kathy and uh, Deanna and Claudio have, have led the organizations. But, you know, there are multiple opportunities, uh, I assume, within these organizations to sort of be the ambassador um, for, for those uh, individual diseases and spread awareness. Nowadays, um, um, you can do a lot more online uh, without having to physically go from place to place. Um, so I'm just reminded, Deanna, as you were talking a little bit about, about your story, I was just reminded of, of your story and how, how your mother was able to um, help the doctors figure out what you had because someone chose to raise awareness. Would you, would you feel comfortable sharing that? Absolutely. Uh, so when I was diagnosed, um, I was, it was in 1992. And so at the time, uh, Family Circle was a big magazine. And uh, I th think it was about a year prior to being diagnosed, Jeffrey Tohill had written an article for Family Circle about his journey with Bethany and his start of the association. And when, when I was sick and we were in the hospital and my mom heard histiocytosis, a light bulb went off that she had seen this before and family circle came to mind. And she said she went back to the library, sat down with the microfiche and started scrolling until she finally found that article and was able to actually call Jeff. And he connected her with a physician who was a member of the histiocyte society on her way to the annual meeting and took a phone call from the car. 
and called our hospital and and connected with them and said uh, that there was a protocol in place and that they should try this first. And so, um, you know, it was through through Jeff's work and through his his interest in raising awareness that we were able to pin on something. And it, we hadn't even, my mom had no idea what histiocytosis was when she had read it. So very interesting how it stays with, with somebody when you can share your story, even if they have no impact in that moment, it could change their life forever a few years down the line. Yeah, that, that's exactly why I wanted you to share that just so we can get another real life example of how raising awareness is so important because you were, you were able to get the treatment that you needed because she remembered seeing that article. So very powerful stories. I love the, the real stories that we have. Um, so what I want, would like to do now is just kind of pivot to talking a little bit more about um, Histiocytosis Awareness Month coming up. And I know that um, we're rep- we represent three separate organizations here. So I would love to talk about what each of you have coming up um, planned for the month. So um, Let's start with Claudia. What does the Canadian Association have planned for Awareness Month? So we like to do things a little flashy and splashy. So one of the things that uh, we started doing a couple of years ago, um, if anyone's seen or heard of the Canadian landmark, the CN Tower, it's 1,850 feet. It was at one point the world's tallest freestanding structure. It's iconic, uh, not only for Canadians, but worldwide as a symbol uh, uh, of what we do here. Um, and what we've chosen to do for the past couple of Septembers is we're allowed to light up the tower, Histeel Blue. And uh, there are some great photographs, and uh, we do encourage people to go down and take selfies with the tower in the background and publicize that. So we've had tremendous feedback from that. And that's and that's a symbol that can be seen for, for miles and miles around, you know, the big blue needle in the sky that points to hope up above. So that was our intent, and we'll be doing that again this month. Great. And Kathy, you mentioned earlier that you have um, an awareness week. What do you have planned for that that week that's set aside just for this? So with the ECD Global Alliance, we, of course, support the HA um, Awareness Month, but we select one week within that month to really raise awareness of, of Winchester disease. And one of the things we do is really encourage people to use social media, as Dr. Goyle has talked about, share the story, make sure their um, each individual's friends and family sees that, which is a great way to raise awareness. We also encourage uh, patients to use some of the tools and publications we have available on our website to actually go out and educate physicians in their community. The physicians they see that may not be directly related to their diagnosis, but you know maybe their ophthalmologist or whoever they see, just for normal everyday activity, you know to keep your health as good as it can be. And then finally, we have uh, a campaign where we encourage people to wear an ECD awareness T-shirt, take a picture, and post that online. So um, we call it purchase it, wear it, picture it. Very good. And finally, um, Deanna, what does the association have planned for us this month, next month? We're we're very excited um, about Awareness Month this year. It's the second time that we'll have um, the Camp Out for Histio going throughout the month. So you can participate uh, by camping locally, spreading awareness locally, and 
um, also engage with your community and the, the broader community. Last year, we had 19 different states and one international uh, camper, which is really amazing. Thing. And then throughout the month, we also have a social media campaign uh, similar. We like to share stories. We, we provide facts about all the different histiocytic disorders, things that you can share on your social media to raise awareness with your community. Um, and we also have other ways that you can get involved. We have an e-store where you can purchase some awareness uh, shirts and different uh, bracelets and things of that nature and, and use those throughout the month. We wear blue on Wednesdays. So if you want to take a picture wearing blue and share that. And then this year we'll have a little challenge that we'll be running throughout the month of September, different ways to get involved in raising awareness. And you can participate in that. We'll be sharing more information as uh, the week goes on. We're right up on September. Um, But I do want to also say that one of the the most amazing things that I've seen with Awareness Month and just in general with, with working with each of you is just the connection that we've been able to create across the organizations and across the world and just coming together to raise awareness with each other, I think has been really, really powerful. Um, We've done some social media together as a collective group and tried to just show the community that they're not alone, that there are organizations here that are working together for you um, to try to find cures for histiocytosis and raise awareness for histiocytosis and that are there to support you. And so that's, I think, very powerful as well. And uh, we really appreciate the work of the ECD Global Alliance and Histio Association of Canada and the other organizations that are out there too, Um, because all of that makes such a difference. And the more we work together, I think the stronger we are. So um, that's also an important part for us of Awareness Month. So we'll be looking for posts from others out there in the community to share as well, um, to recognize all the work that you are all doing. Awesome. So before we end, I do want to give everyone the opportunity to um, say any last comments or anything that you have that we didn't cover, anything you want to say directly to our our communities. From your neighbor up north, I would just like to say thank you for everyone's awareness efforts and for the ability for us to to move forward in educating both patients and families um, on this disease. So thank you, everyone. From the ECD Global Alliance, I I would really like to thank the Histiocytosis Association for uh, reaching out and building bridges to make sure that we all work together as one body to support patients from around the world as all the other organizations around the world join together to make a real difference for all patients. Um, I think together we're going to do amazing things. And I really look forward to seeing all the good that comes from this. And to all the patients, um, thank you for for your efforts to raise awareness. I think that as a patient, you have the strongest voice and to know you are not alone and that you can make a difference. And thank you for doing that. And thank you, Kathy, for making this possible. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And and I'm amazed at all the work I've seen happen over the last few years since I've been involved with histiocytosis that goes, that happens to the organization. Um, so I think it is, uh, it is very, very important to spread awareness and, you know, you're on, um, you're already doing great things, but, you know, I would, I would say that to, to patients and families to, to not, um, you know, to not discount or to not think 
that their voices may not have a large impact. Uh, I think uh, each of them uh, can make a huge difference. And, you know, little by little, uh, you can make a, a big difference for sure. The, the you know, for me, as um, when I was going through training, I got involved with histiocytosis. You know, I'm just uh, two years out of my training now. And, uh, you know, the, the awareness part was what got me involved with the histiocytosis uh, research and care for patients. So something that is also to keep in mind is as we want to continue to build on these efforts for the medical community, you know, it is very important. The awareness piece will, will encourage the next generation of researchers and clinicians to, to want to, to study these disorders or to, to see these patients in the clinic and to get involved with the organizations. At the same time, you know, the funding for research is also tied to it. So a lot of these awareness events can and are um, very uh, good opportunities to, to raise funds uh, for supporting research and also for other patient care uh, needs. Um, you know, you can, you can have fund, fundraising um, so please uh, continue the hard work and, you know, um, thank you for uh, involving me in this. Thank you all for all that you do. Thank you to the, the patients and families and all the physicians for your passion and dedication and for, you know, every, every step you take to help us drive forward to, uh, you know, eventually be able to cure histiocytosis. Great. Well, I just want to thank all of you so much for being here with us today. I think this was a fantastic conversation and I hope, um, I don't hope, I know that we will encourage people to get out there and raise awareness throughout the month of September, but also throughout the year. So thank you all for being here and um, I can't wait to see you again in, in the future and see what we'll all do together. So there you have it. We hope this episode encourages you to be brave to share your own personal story and take action not only during this upcoming Histiocytosis Awareness Month, but also throughout the year so that others can know about these devastating diseases. You never know. You just might be the one who spreads news to someone and truly make a difference in the fight against Histio. Our vision is a world without Histio, but we can't get there without your help. For more ideas on how you can get involved in raising awareness about histiocytosis, you can visit the association's website at www.histio.org and we'll link the Awareness Month page in the show notes, along with links to both the Histiocytosis Association of Canada and the ECD Global Alliance. Once again, I'd like to thank our guests for being with us today, Kathy Brewer from the ECD Global Alliance, Claudio DiGirolamo from Histiocytosis Association of Canada, Dr. Gaurav Goyle from the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and Deanna Fournier, Executive Director of Histiocytosis Association. If you liked this episode, please consider leaving a review, sharing with a friend, leaving us a comment, or taking a screenshot of the episode and tagging us on Instagram at histiocytosis underscore association. We've so enjoyed bringing you this episode of the podcast and look forward to sharing our next episode coming soon. Until then, take good care.